Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Hello, everyone. Chris Smith here, and so happy to have you here on the Family Brand Podcast. Uh, This week, I'm going to actually be doing a solo episode, and Melissa... You know, she suggested a few times since we started the podcast that I do this particular episode and and what this episode is going to be is how can we support those who are close to us who are really struggling? And specifically in this episode I'm gonna talk about how how can we possibly can, you know, support those who are struggling with anxiety and depression and, and addiction. And I, I'm not sharing this from a place of by any means being an expert in the field, I'm simply going to share with you my experiences and my story of supporting or attempting to support friends and family who have struggled with anxiety and depression and, and addiction and share with you what I've learned as I've dove into research and try to read and watch and study everything I get my hands on and also share with you, you know, the mistakes that I've made along the way and, and the lessons I've learned. And my hope is, is that there's something that I share that might have you show up maybe differently or, or more powerfully f- for those family members and friends who are close to you who are struggling, or maybe maybe just encourage you to continue showing up for those who you already have been showing up for. And also that if there's anyone listening to this particular episode who, you know, you yourself are struggling with anxiety and depression or, or addiction, that again, that might might offer you hope. And the reason this particular topic means so much to me is there's been so many family members of mine that are close to me that have struggled. And the reason I've chosen to talk about, I know, I know anxiety and depression and, and addiction could each be their own episodes. And for me, the reason I chose to talk about them together is in my experiences with those close to me, they're often related. And it doesn't necessarily mean that someone has anxiety and depression because of an addiction or, or vice versa. It's just that's, that's been my experience and uh, you know I've, both of my brothers have passed away as i've shared i think in other uh, another episode my oldest nephew's passed away and you know and, I, and when i look at these things and i look at like what could i've done to show up differently for people what could i've done to show up more powerfully it really has me yeah just reflect and and want to show up for those who i can still in as powerful way as possible and and the thing that i I'm coming to realize more and more about addiction and depression and anxiety is that like they're no respecter of persons. Like they don't, they don't care who you are. They don't care what kind of family you come from. They don't care how you were raised. Like no one's immune to this. No one's safe. Like, you know, just, just in the last 30 days, my wife and I have heard of two different young men that we know their families who both have passed away from, from drug overdoses. And these are the types of families that, you know, the, most of us would look at and say like, yeah, oh yeah, that doesn't happen to those types of families. And and when I look at what's going on in the world today with, you know, adolescent 
Anxiety and depression is at an all-time high. Teenage suicide is at an all-time high. Addiction is at an all-time high. With you know, and those those things were those things were present before the pandemic. And then you throw on top of that the pandemic and you know, anxiety and depression and and challenges with mental health like never have been more severe. And and so again, I just I just want to share with you the mistakes I've made and and, and really what my intention and my focus is and. Yeah, like it's it's such a overwhelming topic, and at times it can feel just so hopeless, like there's no answers. And I think the biggest you know lesson that I've learned in all of this is that when someone is struggling with anxiety and depression or addiction, is that the thing that they need more than anything is love without judgment. And I think that's the hardest thing to give them, in my experience. Like the hardest thing to give them is the thing they need the most. And I, and I heard a quote one time, and I don't, I don't know who, who it's by. I've tried to find out who I can attribute it to. And it says there's lots of different people who, who say it's from you know, different, different sources. But the quote is, those who, those who are the hardest to love need it the most. Those who are the hardest to love need it the most. And the first time I heard that quote, it was when I was speaking on a regular basis with a family member of mine who was struggling with addiction. And I can authentically say, I think it hit me so hard because they were really hard to love. Like when someone's struggling with addiction, that's not really them in my experience. Like that person you're talking to, that's not the same person they were when they weren't struggling with the addiction. Oftentimes the same with anxiety and, and depression, but that's what they, you know, that's what they need the most is, is love without judgment. And I'll share with you what that looks like for me, and I'll share with you the mistakes I've made, my natural tendency, you know, whenever I would talk with a family member who is struggling with anxiety and depression or addiction or, or all of those things at the same time, my initial thought is to preach to them and, and give them advice and give them counsel and tell them what they need to be doing and what they should be doing. And, and I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, there's times where someone would really be struggling and I would just, uh, you know, I, I would say things like, well, stop struggling. Like, just stop being sad. Decide to be happy. Like, you know, if someone was struggling with addiction, I'd say, well, stop doing it. And like, I can now look back just and feel so, like, I feel so bad for saying those things because the more I've researched, the more I've learned, the more I've studied, like, it's actually one of the worst things that, that I could say to them in that moment because they themselves are thinking, yeah, if I could just stop being sad, I would. If I could just, you know, stop this, you know, addiction, I, I would. And so that was my natural thought was to, and, and for me, like my intention was good. I, I didn't mean any harm. Like I wanted to serve them. I wanted to help them. And what I've realized again, and, and I'm not the first one to say this, like I've only come to realize this from studying and, and listening and other experts, but the thing they need the most is love. And so what, what that looks like and what I've learned that that looks like for me is instead of giving them counsel and giving them advice and educating them, telling them what they should be doing is to instead replace that with just listening to them, like really, really creating space for them to share with me what it is they're struggling with and to share with me what it feels like to struggle with that and, and resist the urge to offer solutions and advice and just listen. And what I found was the more I would listen, the more that they would talk and the more questions I would ask, the deeper they would share. And so 
instead of, you know, them saying something and me giving them advice, them saying something and me saying, man, like, yeah, what is it? What is it like to struggle with that? What does that feel like for you? How long have you been struggling with this? And again, just providing that space and asking questions. And what I started finding is that when I would do that, again, they would open up and share more and deeper. And I started finding that the, when I would listen to them and I would really see them and really like start to empathize with what they were going through or, or attempt to have empathy for, with what they were going through, it just changed me in the sense like, I have no idea like what it's like to go through that. I have no idea what it's like to struggle with that type of addiction, or I have no idea what it's like to struggle with this anxiety and depression. And I didn't even feel like I was at all in a position at that place to advise them or counsel them. The only thing I could do was to just love them. And, and I started finding myself in almost every one of these conversations, whether it was with the same person or different people, I found myself just listening, asking questions. And at some point in time, just saying like, I am so sorry that you're struggling with this. And I want you to know that I love you. And what can I do for you? And oftentimes they didn't know like what I could do for them. And, and sometimes they would have some suggestions. And what I found was that when I started just listening, not listening so that I could figure out how I was going to give them advice, but just listening to hear them, listening to see them and asking questions that did more, at least it, with their feedback, what they would tell me is that did more to bring them a little bit of hope that day or inspire them to seek out, you know, some help that did more than any advice I'd ever given them. And then again, finding myself saying like, I'm so sorry you're dealing with this. I love you. What can I do for you? And then the, the only advice I found myself giving over time, and it wasn't even necessarily advice, but the only thing I really found myself saying to them was, look, the thing I want you to know more than anything is that I, I believe in you and I know that you matter and I know that you have worth and you matter to me. I know that you matter to God. I know you're a child of God and I'll do anything for you. And, and, it, and at times I would feel prompted or have this intuition to give them like a, maybe a little bit of advice around something. But often it was just, again, listening to them, asking questions, telling them I loved them, telling them how sorry they were going through this, and then just encouraging them. And, I, and then I would say one of the things that I started realizing in, in asking them and talking with them, they would share with me that, that whether, whether they were struggling with anxiety and depression or addiction, they would share that they felt that if they were to seek out help in the form of therapy or counseling or rehab, that they felt like that would be weak. And that was really eye-opening to me because I, I actually saw that as just complete courage to acknowledge that you are struggling and seek out help. And so that is one of the things that I would proactively ask them about. And I had to be careful not to ask it from a place that made them feel like they should get help or they should seek counseling or therapy, but just asking them, you know, have you ever sought out help for this? Or have you, you know, gone to a counselor or therapist or, or have you ever been to rehab or have you ever considered that? And if I would ask it just kind of from an open-ended place, they would usually be really open to talking with me about that. And then I, I would never... I'm not saying I haven't ever, because again, I used to, right? I'm, I, I used to just tell them what they should do and tell them what they needed to do without ever giving them any space to feel seen by me. But I would, I, I, after I'd really heard them and, and encouraged them, I wouldn't tell them they should go to get help, that they should go to rehab, but I would just let them know that 
if they did decide to go get help, if they did decide to go see a counselor or a therapist or go to rehab, that I saw that as the ultimate like example and demonstration of courage and that I really honored that. And, and, and I would acknowledge them for that before they did it. And I would say, and by the way, if you decide to do that and you want some help getting somewhere or finding resources, then I'll help you in any way I can and, and keep it hundred percent confidential. And I think that's another thing, important thing. I always, you know, reassured them. And, and to this day, anytime I have the opportunity to talk with someone, I just assure them that anything they've ever shared with me is going to be hundred percent confidential. And I wish I would have connected the dots on this much sooner, but you know, I had someone one time share with me something that I'll, that I'll never forget, especially when I think about this idea of how do we support those close to us who are really struggling. And what this person had shared with me was if you look at Jesus Christ and you look at his life and you look at the, the stories of people that were brought to him who were struggling with something, whether it's a physical ailment or spiritual, you know, struggling, there was like this pattern that you can kind of see playing out over and over. And the pattern was that if someone ever came to, to Christ, the last thing he did was teach him a sermon. The very first thing he did was he really saw them and he asked them questions and, and then he healed them and he loved them. And then, and not even, not always, but, and that's then when the sermon would happen. And so the, this, this, you know, lesson that I was taught is, you know, why don't, why don't you feed people? Like he was, you know, figuratively, why don't you feed people and clothe them and nurture them and love them? Then, then give them a sermon. And that's just, I wish I would have, I wish I would have known that a lot sooner. Like I wish there's conversations I could go back and have with people who are close to me, who, who are no longer here with us. I wish I could go back and have, you know, some of these interactions and I replay, I replay, you know, some of the conversations I had with them and I wish I could have shown up differently. And, and I guess the only thing I can do now is just to show up as powerfully as I can with as much love as I can for those who, you know, we still have the opportunity to, to be here with and to serve. And I, I had the opportunity a little over a year ago to have lunch with someone that I really care about. And this person had shared with me previously that, that they were struggling with anxiety and depression and had for some time. And it was a really humbling and inspiring experience. It was, it was humbling because I don't struggle with what this person struggles with on a daily basis. But it was inspiring because in that conversation, this person really served me and gave me access to a new possibility of how I might serve this person and other people in their situation. And what, what happened as a result of that conversation is I started thinking about this idea of like, what, what is someone's last thought before they take their life? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what that last thought is before someone has reached a point where they no longer want to live. But I had, I was just thinking that like, maybe it's got to be something along the lines of, you know, the world would be better off without me or my family would be better off without me, or I'm just tired of feeling this way. But regardless, as I thought, you know, unfortunately, they believe their last thought. Like they believe the last thought that they had. And my, my oldest brother took his life in 2017. And I can't tell you how many times I've wondered like what his last thought was. And that, that person that I had the opportunity to go to lunch with, I was able to talk, talk with this person about that. And 
you know, they, they openly shared with me, right? Like their struggle with anxiety and depression and how most days they didn't feel like getting out of bed and how most days, you know, they wondered if they're ever going to be able to overcome this. And like most days asking themselves, like, why can't I just be normal? And I just, like I sat and I asked questions and I listened and I asked questions and I listened. And like I shared earlier, I didn't, I didn't know what to say other than to say, again, I'm so sorry that you struggle with this. Like, I'm, I love you. And like, I, how can I help you? And then I, I had the thought and I told this particular person, I said, you know, I often see posts encouraging, like I'll see posts on Facebook or Instagram that, that are encouraging people who are suffering with depression or anxiety to reach out for help like, and support when they're really struggling, when they're at their lowest point. And usually those types of posts come after someone has already taken their life. So when someone's taken their life, you know, someone will make a post that says, if there's anyone else out there, like, don't let it get this far. Like, don't let it get this bad. Like, reach out. So I asked this person the question, I said, when you are at the lowest point and you're thinking of taking your life, because this, this person has had that thought numerous times, I said, when you're at that lowest point, all the way to that point of like, you're thinking about taking your life. Like, does it occur to you in that moment to reach out for help and support? And this person said, no, not at all. Like when I, when I'm in that place, I'm not having any thoughts that are rational. I'm not thinking about reaching out for help. I'm thinking about how the world and my family would be better off without me. And, and if, and if I ever did have the thought to reach out for help, it's usually before it gets to the lowest point when I'm still thinking somewhat rationally, but then I immediately think, well, I, I don't want to reach out because I don't want to be a burden. So then I don't. So I asked this person, I said, can, can we make an agreement right now that I can be someone in your life that you reach out to when you're really struggling? And like, while you're still thinking rationally, can I be someone in your life that you'll reach out to and tell me, hey, Chris, I'm, I'm getting really low. Because you know you're not going to reach out when you get to that lowest point. And the first the first thing this person said to me is, but I don't want to be a burden on you. And so I assured this person that they would absolutely not be a burden on me. And there at lunch that day, we created an agreement that I will be someone in their life that they're going to reach out to when they're struggling. And so, you know, here's the realization I had that day that hopefully is, is helpful. And is if you know someone who is struggling with depression, anxiety, addiction, or has in the past, Maybe you can go to them now and let them know that you would like to be someone in their life that they can reach out to as often as they would like when they're struggling and assure them that it won't be a burden on you. And I, I truly believe that most people will not reach out for help when they need it the most unless we've created that with them prior to their lowest point. And I'm not saying that just because we've created it with them, they're going to reach out. But I think that them knowing it's okay to reach out to you, that you won't feel burdened by it, you won't judge them, it might just give them the courage or the thought to, to do it when they need it the most. And I would also say that if you are someone who is struggling with anxiety and depression or addiction or has, that maybe you get into an agreement with someone that they will be a person in your life that you can reach out to when you're really struggling. And you, and you find that person that you know that you can, that, that will just, you know, hear you and, and, and love you without judgment and share your thoughts and, and your concerns about being a burden on them. And I can, I can promise you, they'll assure you that you won't be a burden on them. And I, you know, and, and the thing that I sh the last thing we talked about that day 
at lunch with this particular person was I just encouraged them to, when you're at your lowest point and you have those thoughts of the world would be better off without me, my family would be better off without me, that you just don't believe your last thought. And so again, I, I don't share any of this from this place of pretending I'm, I'm an expert by any means. I just simply share it that I do believe we can make a profound difference for those who are closest to us, who are struggling. And I believe there's a formula that, that has been taught long before any of us were alive. And that is like love, like love without judgment and, and just encouraging people and reminding them just of their worth and reminding them of how much they matter. And I, yeah, I hope this serves you. I hope this serves any of you like directly who are listening, maybe someone in your life or in your family. And please let us know. Like, yeah, if, if there is something that we at Family Brand can do to support you and serve you and serve your loved ones, serve those who you know, you know, who are struggling because like our, our mission and everything we do with this podcast and with Family Brand is to build and strengthen families. And that includes everyone in a family, not just those who are doing great, but really, again, those who are struggling and just leave you with that thought again, that I, you know, that those who are the hardest to love, they're, they're the ones who oftentimes who need it the most. Thank you, everyone. Um, your support and tuning in every week just means the world to Melissa and I, like you'll have, you have no idea, like the ratings that you leave here on iTunes and other platforms and direct messages you send us and just reposting our episodes and tagging us. It just, yeah, it just means the world to us to, to, to think that we're making a difference in the world of families. I appreciate you guys. Hey there, thanks for listening to today's episode. To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes. And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together. Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.